Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Time for Lombardi Memories. So it takes him back in time, into January February, to the greatest one day spectacle in all of sports. This is the podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50 plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive by drive, play by play, through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips. And you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com where you can find all of my books. My newest book is The Orange Bowl, A Complete History, which gives a story of the first 88 Orange Bowls ever. And I must apologize for not being able to record for so long. I was busy working on the end of that book, finishing it up, and now I'm ready to go back to podcasting again. And today we have Super Bowl 45, which was held on February 6, 2011, at Cowboys Stadium in Arlington, Texas, between the eight-time AFC champion Pittsburgh Steelers and the three-time NFC champion Green Bay Packers. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, only one Super Bowl stadium has had a higher attendance than Super Bowl 45 in Texas. Which stadium is it? The answer will come at the end of the podcast. Pittsburgh Steelers starting quarterback Ben Roethlisberger violated the NFL's personal conduct policy and was suspended for the first four games of the 2010 season after having the suspension reduced from six games. The Steelers went 3-1 without him, then rolled through the rest of the schedule with him. They finished 12-4, ending up with the number two seed in the AFC. The Steelers fell behind Baltimore by 14 points in the divisional round. Ben brought them back with two third-quarter touchdown passes, and the Steelers pulled off a 31-24 victory. Then the unthinkable happened as the wild-card New York Jets knocked off the number one-seeded New England Patriots. By the way, that is the most recent time the New York Jets have won a playoff game. That meant that the AFC Championship game would be held at Heinz Field, the venue currently known as Acrosaur Stadium. Uh, 
The Steelers went up 24 to nothing on the Jets, but the Jets battled back to within five points. The Steelers managed to run out the clock, and they won 24 to 19 to advance to their eighth Super Bowl and their third in the last six years. Ben threw for exactly 3,200 yards and 17 touchdowns while throwing just five interceptions in his abbreviated season. He also ran for 176 yards and two touchdowns. Running back Broussard Mendenhall ran for 1,273 yards and 13 touchdowns, and he fumbled twice, just twice, during the regular season, but that will come into play later. Receiver Mike Wallace led the way with 60 catches for 1,257 yards and 10 touchdowns, while borderline Hall of Famer Heinz Ward was right behind him with 59 catches. The Steelers also had a ferocious defense with Defensive Player of the Year Troy Palmo, who picked off seven passes, and linebackers James Harrison and Lamar Woodley, who combined for 20 and a half sacks. As for the Green Bay Packers, they started out the season 3-3 three and three with a couple of overtime losses, and the season looked lost. Then they came back to defeat former quarterback Brett Farr and the Vikings 28-24, and they went on a four-game winning streak. But quarterback Aaron Rodgers got hurt in a 7-3 loss to Detroit, and the Packers fell to 8-6 with a loss to the Patriots. Fortunately, the Packers held the tiebreaker in the NFC, so all they needed to do to make the playoffs was to win their final two games. They did just that, making it into the playoffs as the number six seed on the strength of victory tiebreaker over the Buccaneers and the Giants. The Packers' long and winding road to Texas started with a 21-16 win over Michael Vick and the Philadelphia Eagles, which came down to an interception on the final drive. Another big interception came against Atlanta, where defensive back Tremont Williams scored on a pick six on the final play of the first half. The Packers lit up the Falcons for 48 points in a 48-21 win. The Packers completed their three-game journey of row games in Chicago against their hated rivals and the NFC North champions. Rodgers had a shaky game, but defensive tackle B.J. Raji scored on a pick six, and the Packers held on for a 21-14 victory to advance to Super Bowl XLV. The Packers were unique in that they never trailed by more than seven points all season long. Even in their losses, they never faced a deficit of more than one touchdown. They were 10-6 in a wild card, but they came into Super Bowl forty-five as three-point favorites over the Steelers. Rodgers threw for 3,922 yards and 28 touchdowns with 11 interceptions, a high number for him. Running back Brandon Jackson ran for 703 yards and three touchdowns, but it was rookie James Starks who gave the Packers a spark at the end of the season. Receiver Greg Jennings led the team with 76 catches for 
1,265 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Donald Driver, Mr. Old Reliable, caught 51 balls and 4 touchdowns. James Jones and Jordy Nelson rounded out a strong receiving corps. Linebacker Clay Matthews was a terror for opposing quarterbacks as he picked up 13.5 sacks. Tremont Williams led the team with six interceptions, and safety Nick Collins was second with four. The Packers were a number six seed and only 10 and six, while the Steelers were a number two seed and 12 and four. Yet the Packers came into this game as three point favorites. What gives? I guess the onmakers saw that the Packers were on fire as they had won their last five games. Still, it seemed a little weird that they'd give the pack the nod when the Steelers were in their third Super Bowl in six years. The Steelers got the ball to start the game as the Packers won the toss and deferred. Receiver Antonio Brown took back the opening kickoff 37 yards and had to be tackled by Packers kicker Mason Crosby. However, the Steelers went three and out and couldn't do anything with the ball. Punter Jeremy Kapanos, a former Packer and a Penn State product, kicked the ball away. Williams muffed the punt, but the Packers got on top of it to avoid an early blow. Rodgers threw a 24-yard pass to Driver on for the Packers' initial first down of the game. Receiver Jordy Nelson dropped the pass on the next third down, though, and the Packers had the punt. Mendenhall started Pittsburgh's next drive with a 15-yard run, then added a 9-yarder. A big false start penalty set the Steelers back from 2nd and 1 to 2nd and 6, and they couldn't pick up the first down, so Kapanos punted it back for a touchback. Rodgers went back to Nelson and hit him for 9 yards. Starks then picked up the first down with a 7-yard carry. The Packers repeated those plays as Nelson and Starks combined for another first down. Rodgers then went to Jackson for a 14-yard gain inside the Pittsburgh 40. Starks ripped off still another 7-yard run, and fullback Cordy Hall caught a 2-yard pass. On 3rd and 1, Rodgers threw down the right sideline where Nelson beat defensive back Willie Gay for a 29-yard touchdown. Crosby's extra point gave Green Bay a 7-0 lead. On the ensuing kickoff, Brown again ripped off a long return, but an illegal block in the back penalty brought back the Steelers inside their own 10. Ben went back to pass, but Packers defensive tackle Howard Green hit him as he threw the ball. And the ball just fluttered in the air to Nick Collins, who caught it and scampered 37 yards for a touchdown. The Packers took a 14-0 lead, though Collins picked up a crucial 15-yard penalty for going to the ground to celebrate after the touchdown. The Steelers returned the kickoff to the 36 after the kickoff from the 15-yard line. Mendenhall ran it twice to get a first down just side of midfield. 
Another illegal block on the back penalty set back the Steelers, but Ben got the back the yards on a pass to Mendenhall. He then slipped on the next play and looked to be injured. On the very next play, he scrambled for a first down at the Green Bay 33. The first quarter ended with Green Bay up 14-0. Start the second quarter, Ben completed a third down pass to receiver Emmanuel Sanders for 13 yards. He scrambled again for a couple yards, and then he threw a pass to Wallace for a short game. The Steelers didn't get a first down, but kicker Son Suisum made a 33-yard field goal to cut the deficit to 11 points. The Packers went three and out, with Driver catching a pass just side of the third down. First down. The Steelers got the ball back at their own 22. After a holding penalty, Wallace caught a 16-yard pass, which set up a first down run by Noel Moore, seven yards. Ben then completed a third down pass to receiver Antoine Randall for 13 yards. However, two plays later, after a timeout, Ben threw a pass that was intercepted by defensive back Jarrett Bush. The Packers wasted no time in taking advantage. Rodgers hit Nelson for a 17-yard gain. Starks ran for a first down off the right side and Rodgers finished the drive with a pass over the middle to Jennings for a 21-yard touchdown to put the pack up 21-3. That's when the Steelers flipped the switch. Suddenly, they became the aggressor for much of the next two quarters. Ben threw long to Randall L. for 37 yards at the two-minute warning. His next pass fell incomplete, but on the play, Packers defensive back Charles Woodson broke his shoulder. He was gone for the game, and the defense immediately suffered, especially with defensive back Sam Seals also hurt. Ben found Ward for a first down on a sliding catch, and the Steelers called timeout. After a short pass to Brown, Ben went to Ward on the next two plays, hitting him first for 18 yards, then finding him for an 8-yard touchdown. The Packers took a tenuous 21-10 lead into halftime. Starting out the second half, the Packers got the ball. A holding hole set them back, but Rodgers picked up those 10 yards on a pass to J receiver James Jones. Nelson caught one for 9 yards, but on third down, Jones dropped a wide-open pass that would have certainly been a touchdown. Some things never change in Green Bay. The Steelers got the back, the ball back. Near midfield, after a face mask penalty on the pack, Mendenhall began the next drive with a 17-yard rush. Running back Isaac Redman ran it twice, alongside a run by Ben too, and Redman ended up getting a first down inside the 10. Mendenhall then ran it in for an 8-yard touchdown, and the Steelers cut their deficit to just 4 points. The Packers went 3 and out after a 3rd down sack by James Harrison. The Steelers got it back at throw 40, and Ben got things going with an 8-yard pass to Wallace. 
Moore ran for a seven-yard run off the right side, then bent through over the middle to Ward for 15 more yards. The Steelers, though, went backwards from there, with tight end Heath Miller losing two yards on a catch and Packers linebacker Frank Zombo sacking Ben. Sweesome tried a field goal from around 50 yards, but this kick was terrible, way off to the left, and no good. Rodgers threw to Nelson for 18 yards, and he hit tight end Andrew Corliss from Penn State for a five-yard gain. But he couldn't convert on third down, and the pack punted. The Steelers couldn't put a drive together themselves either, with Mendenhall running for four, Wallace catching one for four, but the third down pass for Wallace falling incomplete. The Packers got the ball back, but Rodgers' third down pass for Brett's receiver Brett Swain was juggled and fell incomplete. Head coach Mike McCarthy challenged the play, but he lost the challenge, and the Steelers took the ball back at their own 40 after a punt. The Steelers started their next possession with an 8-yard Mendenhall run. The third quarter came to a close with Green Bay up just 21-17. Before the fourth quarter began, Packers outside linebackers coach Kevin Green brought Clay Matthews over to the sidelines and said, It is time. It is time. On the first play of the fourth quarter, Matthews knocked the ball out of Mendenhall's grasp with his helmet, and the ball bounced to linebacker Desmond Bissop. Defensive tackle Ryan Pickett was also in on the forced fumble, which gave Green Bay the ball near midfield. Rodgers threw a third down pass to Jones for 12 yards to pick up a first down at the Pittsburgh 40. A couple plays later, Nelson dropped a wide open pass that would have been a big game. But Rodgers didn't give up on him. Instead, he went right back to him and this time Nelson hauled the pass in and ran it all the way down to the Pittsburgh 2. After a sack by Harrison, Rodgers came back with a pass to the right side of the end zone to Jennings for an 8-yard touchdown. Green Bay's lead was now 28-17. Ben brought the Steelers back. First, he threw the tight end Matt Spaeth for 9 yards, then to Wallace for another 11. After an incompletion to Brown, he went back to Wallace for 11 more. Offensive lineman Flozell Adams got called for holding, but Ben got most of it back on a 15-yard pass to Ward. Ben then found Wallace down the left sideline for a touchdown. Steelers went for two. They ran the triple option with Ben pitching to Randall L for the two points to make it 28-25 halfway through the fourth quarter. Defensive lineman Ziggy Hood sacked Rodgers on the first down of the new drive, and it looked like the Steelers might get the ball back quickly. But Rodgers first threw the Nelson for nine yards, and after a false start, Rodgers zinged one in to Jennings on third and ten for a 31-yard completion. Starks then ripped off a 14-yard run to keep the drive going, 
and Rodgers fired to Jones for another first down. The Packers got as far as the five before third down incompletion for Nelson. McCarthy opted for the 23-yard field goal, which Crosby made to put Green Bay up 31-25. The analytics guy said that the Packers should have gone for it there on fourth and goal from the five, and that kicking the field goal actually hurt them. We'll never know whether that was the case. The Steelers have done this before, though. Two years ago, Ben had brought his team downfield for a game-winning touchdown. But this Packers defense was a lot stronger than that Cardinals defense. Ben completed his first two passes, first hitting Miller for 15 yards in a first down, then going to Ward for four. But the Packers defense was picture-perfect from there on out, forcing three incompletions and turning the ball over on downs. Rodgers came out to take a knee, and the Green Bay Packers were Super Bowl champions for the fourth time. Rodgers was named Super Bowl MVP for throwing for over 300 yards and three touchdowns with no interceptions. It was quite possibly the greatest quarterback performance by a Green Bay Packer in a Super Bowl, and that's considering two great performances by each Bart Starr and Brett Favre. At the time of the game, though, however, I, I thought the MVP award might go to Jennings. He got four passes for 64 yards and two touchdowns, and three of his catches were crucial to the Packers' success. He would be my pick as runner-up for MVP. Nelson deserves some consideration as well for catching nine passes for 140 yards, though he also dropped some key passes that could have helped the Packers put this game away. For MVP of the losing Steelers, there are a few choices. I could go with Ben, who threw for two touchdowns and 263 yards. I could go with Wallace, who had nine catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. But ultimately, I have to pick Ward. Heinz Ward had seven catches for 78 yards and always seemed to be open anytime Ben needed a big pickup. Ward had an uncanny ability for getting wide open, and it remains to be seen if he will eventually enter the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which remains a strong possibility. The least valuable player for the Steelers had to be Mendenhall. While he did run for 63 yards, he coughed up the ball at the worst time, right when it looked like the Steelers were driving down to take the lead. Mendes Hall's fumble was the turning point in this game, and unfortunately he ends up in this category. The best player you don't remember? How about Jared Bush of the Green Bay Packers? He was mainly a special team star with the Packers, as well as being a much maligned defensive back by Packers fans. But in this game, he came up with a key interception and nearly picked off another pass on the final play of the game. He stepped up when the Packers' defense was ripped apart by injuries, and he deserves a lot of credit for coming up big in the biggest game of his life. The biggest play of this game was Mendenhall's fumble forced by Matthews and Pickett and recovered by Bishop. But what was the biggest play you don't remember? 
I'm going with Stark's run for a first down on Green Bay's final drive. Getting a boost from that ground game was just what the doctor ordered for the Packers' offense. By getting that first down, the Packers ate more time off the clock, and they opened up the passing game just enough to get down to the 5-yard line, where they kicked the field goal to make it a 6-point margin. Homework for today is the book, Return to Titletown, The Remarkable Story of the 2010 Green Bay Packers by Chuck Carlson. It's got lots of great pictures and a full summary of the Packers' 2010 season. This Super Bowl had a high attendance, but due to some structural problems, several, several hundred fans got stranded and unable to have a seat for the game. That dampened the atmosphere for what was the highest attended Super Bowl in any place other than the Rose Bowl. That's right, the Rose Bowl is the answer to this week's pop quiz question. Super Bowl XIV drew just about 800 more fans than Super Bowl XLV, and both games involved the Steelers. Of course, Super Bowl XIV was also kind of a home game for the Los Angeles Rams, definitely helping the attendance there. The Green Bay Packers won their 13th league title in franchise history, putting them far and away ahead of any other team in NFL history. The Chicago Bears are second with nine. In third place lurk the New York Giants. And the Giants had seven NFL championships at the time of Super Bowl 45. They would try to make it eight in Super Bowl 46. That's right. Next time we have the rematch between the Giants and Patriots. Super Bowl 46 where scoring a touchdown might end up costing your team the game. Really. Until then, this is Tommy A. Phillips signing off. So long. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.